Recorded live from a place where misgender is always two separate words, this is Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. Amy Stevens is off this week. She has had gender confirmation surgery. Uh, as she puts it, uh, her Audi was made into an innie. Uh, my Audi is in the shop getting brake work, so I'm just here by myself in my brand new studio. Well, it's my brand new studio is my brand old dining room. Um, since my family has all grown up and mostly moved away, this living room that I was in has kind of been like gone fallow and what used to be the table that we would all sit around and eat dinner on every night when my kids were up through high school um, just basically became a platform upon which we cast various bits of junk and detritus and things that just didn't get put away. Uh, and so when I was working on this podcast, normally what I would do is just go out to my uh, living room and sit on the couch and get out a tray table and stick my laptop on it and attach the microphone to it and just do things that way. And that has gotten unsatisfactory. It took a year for me to do this. But the thing that did is there's a whole bunch of changes that are going on. There's a whole bunch of transformations that are going on for me as well, as well as for Amy. I want to say congratulations to her. She has gone through the transition of the gender corrective surgery with flying colors. She is in recovery right now. Uh, she will be back um, in a couple of weeks. She actually has recorded uh, her own Transformation Thursday audio that uh, will be dropped in at a future date. But for now, it's just going to be me uh, and the occasional guest uh, in my brand new space here. Um, also, uh, kind of like the, 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 the thing that really got this going was that I got this amazing um, two-week video editing gig that uh, is paying me a fair bit of money, which is really nice. And uh, so I realized that this editing gig was probably going to require more horsepower than my old laptop had. So I went ahead and upgraded and I wanted to get the most powerful processor I could get for the least amount of money. And that meant the, um, uh, the M1 chip on the Apple, uh, from the Apple brand. And the best place to get that was the M1 mini in my price range but it's not a laptop, so it needs a, a platform. And so I got a table, a, a actual work table, and I got a monitor, and I got a new keyboard and a, a new mouse. And my son, Fred, and I cleared out the living room, um, got, the, uh, got the table, it was an antique table taken down, and uh, the legs carefully wrapped up and the whole thing like hoisted upstairs and stuck into the attic. Um, the chairs that we had with it were not antique. Uh, they, well, they were kind of, sort of. Uh, they were mid 20th century, most of them. And most of them also went through 25 years of increasingly growing children plopping down into them like they were some sort of bouncy house. And so all the legs were splayed and they'd been glued and strapped and things like that. So they really weren't worth anything. So we put those on the curb, um, except for, uh, I think like three that still worked. And now my living room is a studio 
and it's really a cool space and I'm enjoying it. And this is really the first thing that I've done uh, as far as a production. Uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, there's a lot of changes going on for me right now. Hence the term transformation Thursday. Um, and I'm, I'm, and I'm working on them. Uh, and there's changes that are coming up. One of the things that, um, I'm going to be talking about, and you may have already heard me talk about this on the social medias and pitched for it is that I want facial feminization surgery. Uh, facial feminization surgery is uh, oftentimes called plastic surgery, but it is a very specific style of surgery designed for um, people who have a fairly male presence to um, do the things that will make your face look more feminine. Testosterone affects a body differently than estrogen does. And one of the things that testosterone will do to a, a body is it will give it a, a bigger a brow and uh, a bunch of other things that will, um, will make you look much more masculine than feminine. They're not really all that noticeable until they go away. Um, and I want mine to go away. I want my eyes to uh, stop being so droopy. I want my brow to stop being so overbearing. Um, I'd like my uh, hairline to be brought down a little bit. I'd like my lips to be plumper. I would like my jawline to be a little bit narrower. I'd like to get rid of at least one of my chins. Well, only one of my chins, but I want to choose which chin I get rid of. And I think it's going to be the second one. Uh, and all these things that um, are not covered on my specific insurance. So I am actually about to do battle with my insurance company to allow this because there are other gender confirmation surgeries that are allowed uh, in New York State under this this plan that I have. And I want to be upfront. It is the community plan. Uh, it is the insurance that is provided for people who can't get insurance through their job, oftentimes because they don't have a job. And sometimes uh, the insurance comes at no cost to the person because they can't afford it any other way. And I'm I have for the last three years have fallen into that particular category. Um, but I was able to get, um, I was able to get, uh, some gender confirmation surgery. I, I got a, um, I got spikes in Mitzi as I call my two breasts. And I call them that because I had the surgery for them on July 2nd of 2020. Um, and July 2nd of 2019 was the first, uh, LGBTQ plus pride day at frontier field, the home of the Rochester Red Wings baseball club. Uh, I've worked for them for 25 years in a varying television production ways. And so I was actually directing that game and it was the most amazing and confirming thing that I had been in, in a, in a sports venue in my life. Um, I actually saw Dan Mason, the general manager, uh, he came into the press room where I was directing and, uh, I waved at him and I said, thank you. And he came over to me and he hugged me and he said, this is the best thing ever. And it was really, really great. And that happened on July 2nd, 2019. So since I was having my breast augmentation on the 2nd of 2020, 
I decided to name the girls Spikes and Mitzi. Um, and so that's uh, Spikes is the one on the left. Mitzi is the one on the right. I like I love them both, just like my children. Um, but I was able to get that in my insurance. So why is there no insurance for the um, facial feminization surgery? There's also, I have heard, uh, insurance for gender confirmation surgery, what Amy is having right now through this insurance, which is great. Um, I'm not planning on having that um, for the same reason that um, a hermit doesn't build a guest room. And I'll just let that one sit there and you can figure that out for yourself. But even if I was, the number of people that that would affect, uh, and, and, and I mean, yes, it's an emotional thing and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to denigrate that or anybody who has that. Uh, I can certainly understand why, uh, trans women would, would like this and, and, and want this and need this, uh, everybody's transgender path is different, just like everyone's cisgender path is different. And I don't see me doing that. Of course, my entire history of not just my transgender journey, but my journey in life is basically ignoring what I want. It took me and it's still taking me a lot to pay attention to myself and ask myself, what is it that I really want and what do I want and what don't I want? And I'm not really good at that yet. Uh, essentially every single thing that I have done, uh, regarding, uh, my path in the transgender world, I first told myself I was not going to do it up to and including actually admitting that I was transgender, which I did when I was 54 because I never planned on doing it at all. Um, so, and everything that, and, and every story that I told myself after that was minimizing the, the the truth that I knew about myself that I that I am that I was that I've always been a woman uh, I told myself that I wasn't going to transition and then once I transitioned um, uh, I told myself that I was just going to call myself androgynous and uh, that lasted about seven months during that seven months I started wearing more and more feminine clothing I started doing a more and more feminine presentation and I told myself that I was just going to slightly effeminate myself effeminate myself I don't know do a slightly more feminine presentation of myself more androgynous but as I was doing this more and more I was less and less comfortable with the artifacts and the presentations that made myself appear masculine uh, and so about seven months into it, it's like, yeah, no, I got, I'm this, which I had honestly known my entire life that if I tried even a little bit to put any sort of femininity into my life, which included emotions, by the way, I had two emotions for the first half century of my life. And those were joy and rage. Um, and joy was a very exclusive one that joy was the Himalayan saffron of emotions for me. I only brought it out in very special occasions. Um, when I got married, um, when I got divorced, uh, the birth of my children and, um, whenever the Steelers won a Super Bowl or the pirates won a world series, but, um, they haven't won one since 1979 so it's been a while um with that rage on the other hand was a constant with me um very much so and as i 
my world fell apart in at the turn of the millennium. I've talked about this before. And as I worked my way out of that and discovered that I was this real, this person that I really did not like about myself, I told myself that what I was doing was just becoming the uh, least toxic masculine man that I could possibly be. Um, what I was actually doing was just removing enough layers of rage and loathing and fear that um, I could get to a place where I could admit that I was maybe kind of sort of possibly perhaps a little bit teensy weensy transgender ish. And then it just, it just cascaded from there. And um, so, like I said, seven months after that point, I started telling people, no, I'm transgender. Um, about two months after that, I told my family I was transgender. That got me into 2015. And by October of 2015, I had completely socially transitioned, including work. Um, but every single step of the way, I told myself that I wasn't going to do the next step. That I, okay, so I was going to be a little bit effeminate. Okay, so I was going to be a lot effeminate. Okay, so I was going to like wear dresses and stuff like that, but I wasn't going to hide the fact that I was a man. Okay, so I'm going to grow my hair longer and I'm going to start wearing makeup and I'm going to get my ears pierced and I'm going to start wearing uh, fingernail polish and I'm going to mostly dress the way that makes me feel good about myself, which would be in dresses and skirts and leggings and tunics and, and those sorts of things. Okay. So, but I'm not going to, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to explore any sort of sexuality. Okay. So I am going to explore sexuality because, oh my God, it is so much fun, but that's about it. I'm not going to, to do anything about, okay. So I'm going to go on hormone replacement therapy and also I'm going to get electrolysis, uh, so that I don't have to shave as much or at all eventually. Um, okay, so I'm going to have an orchiectomy so that I don't have to take as many medicines, but uh, it's, it, I'm not going, okay, so I will have the breast augmentation, but that's okay, so I'm going to have the facial feminization surgery, except that I can't. So this is a very long-winded way of me saying I want to make my outsides match my insides more. And in order for me to do that next step, it's going to require something that is going to cost approximately 1.5 metric fuck tons of money. Uh, 1.5 metric fuck tons of money uh, on the American dollar scale is approximately $25,000. Um, if I do this without, um, without, insurance and that's just a rough estimate uh i figure for twenty five thousand dollars i can get most of what i want done um so that's what i'm shooting for and i'm also trying to um lower that cost by seeing if i can't get my insurance uh to pay for this or find a different insurance that i can afford that will help me with this so that i won't need more money but i will still need maybe one quarter of a metric fuck ton of money or some such thing in order to get this procedure done. And so that's why I'm doing the GoFundMe, the fundraiser that I've been uh, dropping hints about and straight up saying on social media and other places. Um, so if you would like to follow me on social media, um, uh, I go by Penny Sterling 
everywhere in the world, um, except for my social security card, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, if you go on Facebook, if you go on Twitter, if you go on Instagram, um, just type in Penny Sterling and then click on the one that looks like me. And, uh, the one that looks like me is the one that looks like a very attractive old woman who could use some facial feminization surgery. And so that's how you, you find me there. Um, and I will have links to my GoFundMe all the play all the way over there, or just, uh, send me an email, uh, Penny, Ms. Penny Sterling at gmail.com. If you want to find out that or just go to GoFundMe and type in Penny's feminine face. And you'll find it that way as well. There's so many different ways uh, to find me as I beg for my money. And there's going to be interesting things that I'm going to be doing right now for the uh, for any amount that you pay. I will, once my feminization surgery is complete and my face has healed enough that I can start wearing makeup, um, I will, every day that I get a, a donation, put a beauty mark someplace on my face. And I will... Um, message you and tell you the day that it's going to be and where it is so that in case you see me on social media which you should start following me because I am charming as fuck even though I may say things like as fuck a few more times than I should but gosh I'm just so charming you don't really care all that much um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I in presentations or if on, on stage you may actually um, see that beauty mark uh, that is yours someplace and you can can point to it and, and and turn to your cat and say look Mongo that's my beauty mark and Mongo will look up and realize that you're not actually going to give them any food and go back to licking themselves in their nether regions uh, or whatever it is that your cat happens to do my cats may all have been different than your cats but I doubt it so that's for at any level that is what you will get if you give me more than $100, your prize will be that we will have coffee together. Well, I will have coffee. I don't know what you're going to have, um, but I will have coffee and we will chat for about an hour or so, during which I will tell you a story. I am a very good storyteller and I tell very good stories. I may tell you a story in this particular Transformation Thursday, depending on how long I go. Or you may consider this to be a story because I have kind of been telling a little bit about myself. So um, that is something that you will get at the $100 level. Um, and they go up from there, uh, including the ability, I think, at the $1,000 level for me to, to come to your house where I promise I will leave and not make a mess and make you a dinner and then actually put on a show for you. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of, so if 25 of you want little, you know, self-directed shows where you can have some people in your living room, and I'll tell you one of my many stories, of my many shows, I have several, um, and you'll get to pick which one you want to hear. Uh, you can do that for $1,000, as well as get some of my really, really good food. I, I've been raising kids since the Bush administration, the first Bush administration. So I'm very good at making very good food very quickly. My, my guess is that if you want, uh, if you like spice, I will make you, um, my, uh, award almost winning, uh, chili. 
I say almost winning because I used to be a competition chili cook and uh, the best I ever did was fourth place one year. So it's almost award winning. Um, or I could make chana masala, which would be a good vegetarian meal. Chana masala with some palak paneer and some naan. Or I could make you a nice lasagna because I do that well as well. So there'll be options. I will make the dinner. We will have a wonderful dinner and then I will put on a show for you and we'll save the old Magruder place. No, we won't save. That would be a, a Shirley Temple, Mickey Rooney reference for a film from the 1930s. Um, I'm so old that my pop culture references have become historical anecdotes. So that's that's the upper end. But whatever whatever level you give, there will be um, there will be a thank you gift that comes along with it. And if that sounds like a PBS pitch, that's because I started my career in public broadcasting. And so I'm really good at that sort of stuff. Anyhow, uh, so that's what's going on. And there's other things that I'm going to be doing for that as well. I right now am planning on putting together um, a concert of some sort that will involve uh, music and comedy and musical comedy, uh, plus other um, really cool and fun things uh, like a certain um, physical theater company whose name I will not bring up here, but whose name, whose name rhymes with Bush, uh, will be performing for us as doing that as well. Um, I'm like kind of backburnering that waiting to see what, th how things are with the COVID, um, situation and quarantining and what we will or will not be able to do this summer. Um, I've made some inquiries. I've got some people and organizations interested in it. Um, but I'm going to wait like maybe another week before I start really delving into that or maybe two weeks, um, because of that two week editing gig that I'm really excited about here as almost excited as about, I am for my facial feminization surgery. So those are all things that are, are going on for me. Uh, whereas I, as I become more and more myself, um, so that's fantastic news for me. Um, I mentioned social security. I, I spent like a couple of hours on the phone with social security this week. Um, one of the things that I told myself that I was never going to do was that I was never going to, um, change my name legally. I was always going to stay what some people refer to as their dead name. Um, I don't call it my dead name. Uh, I, I consider it my assumed name because people just assumed that's who I was when I was using it. Um, but last year I realized that it didn't fit me and it was time to move on from that. So with the help of a wonderful, fantastic, beautiful human being lawyer, um, I was able to get a court order to, um, legally change my name and my gender marker to better reflect who I am as a human being. And that was how I became legally Penny Carson Sterling. And so that happened, that happened at the end of the year. And just because I have it on a court order doesn't mean that my, that everything changes automatically. There is, uh, another metric fuck ton of work that I need to do to change things uh, in the system to alert 
different organizations and groups that I am no longer this person, or I was actually never that person, but legally, I am now Penny Carson Sterling. Um, And one of the most important ones to change, the one that my lawyer said, you got to do first, is Social Security card. Because what was designed for just somebody to, back in the 1930s, to, to somebody to have a file on board so they could get the money that they would get back from Social Security has become this de facto identification number that follows you everywhere you go and has to be uh, and is used for everything. Um, And so I went to get that changed first. Now, in order to get the name changed, you have to um, submit things um, like a photo ID and the court order and some paperwork um, and an official piece of official document that shows that you are who you say you are. Uh, they say a passport or a driver's license. Um, I lost my passport at the turn of the millennium or slightly before. I only used it like in the seventies anyhow. So it it was, I don't know what happened to it. And uh, that's going to be a battle that I'm going to need to fix after things settle down. But that was what I needed to do is submit these things, which during times of non COVID would be moderately annoying. You have to go to the social security office. You have to wait in line and you have to hand them the paperwork and they look at it and they make copies and they hand the stuff back to you. And then they say it's in the system and it's going to take a while to get all this stuff in the system. Uh, because I am convinced that the system, which hopefully you can hear those air quotes, but I'm doing the air quotes things with my fingers. The system is probably, uh, one, Commodore 64 that the entire Social Security Administration takes turn using. Um, which is why it says it takes up to four weeks to have this stuff done once you get all the stuff in. But I was having issue getting all the stuff in because since I didn't have my passport, the only thing that I could give them was my driver's license, which would not be a problem if I just walked into a physical place and handed a physical person my physical copy so they could make a physical copy of it and say, yeah, I have touched this particular identification card and it is real and it is valid. That can't happen because of COVID and social security offices are closed except for extreme situations. And this is not considered an extreme situation. So I had to mail these things in. I need my driver's license because I drive a car. So I could not do this. So I talked to them and I said, if I got a driver's license, if I made a copy of my driver's license in color front and back and had it notarized and sent that in, would that be okay? And they said, you could try. Um, so I tried that and it didn't work. It got sent back. So I called them and I said, I, that didn't work. I, somebody else answered in, in, in the entireties. And I said, that didn't work. Um, it says here that you could also do a photo ID from your work and a health card. 
um, I would be willing to part with those things. I, um, I teach at a local college and I have a photo ID with my photo and my name on it that I could, since I was not teaching that last, this last semester, I could mail that in and I could mail my health insurance card in. Would that be okay? And they said, well, you can try. And I'm, and I said, so I have to guess what will work. And they said, well, it's all up to the person who looks at it, whether or not they will accept it. So this is up to the capriciousness of whoever opens the envelope, whether or not my social security card actually reflects who I legally am as a person. And the line was silent for a few minutes. And I said, okay, I'll try that. And, and so I sent that back in. This is like now February by the time this happens. And I sent this in, sent all that stuff in with the, with the application and the court order and all that stuff. And about a week later, everything but the actual application comes back without a word. No, nothing saying, we've accepted this, you know, up to four weeks, you know, because we've got the compact reserved for you know, February 26th at 2 a.m. or whatever. There's no, nothing along with this. They just sent the stuff back. And so I waited a couple of weeks and I called and I was told, okay, yeah, it looks like all the stuff was brought in and uh, there's no notes here saying that it was rejected. So I guess, again, that word guess, uh, you're, you're set. It just takes up to four weeks for this to go through the system. And I said, uh, so four weeks will be November 11th, I believe, not November, March 11th. So that's when I'll happen. And I said, well, yeah, that's it. It will happen by that. And then it'll take a week for the notification that uh, receipt that it's happened. And then it's going to take another week or two weeks for your social security card to come in this age where you can like get just put anything 3d printed in an hour it takes two months for this shit to happen so um november 11th comes and goes i don't get a notice um and so 10 days after the the 21st i think or whatever monday was i think monday was the 21st or the 22nd i call the number for the Rochester Social Security Administration that I found in the website on, online. Um, the Social Security website does not actually give you those numbers. There are different agent there are different websites apparently that will supply this information because the SSA apparently doesn't do that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, it it wasn't. And so I was actually talking to a national number. So they said, well, you have to call a different number. And they gave me a different number for the land. Like, why wasn't that any place online? And they had no answer for that. So I finally got in touch with the local social security agency. And I asked them about where my process was 10 days after the four weeks, the, the, the outside a number that they were going to talk about. And the woman that I was talking to said, um, well, uh, we have all the information here. Um, I'm going to put you on hold. And then the line went dead. She had hung up instead of putting me on hold. So then I spent another 
hour trying to get back in to the system to try and talk to another human being and then spent another 25 minutes being misgendered, being called sir. It's like, okay, so I'm told you my name is Penny Sterling. I'm doing this because I am now a female. I need all this. And they called me sir twice. And they're like, so this four weeks, it couldn't be done in the four weeks, but the person who I was talking to, who I could have could have done it two weeks ago or three weeks ago when I was on the phone, done exactly the same goddamn thing that I that they did not do until now. Two weeks after it was, ten days after it was supposed to be the outside time. And the answer was, yep. So, long story short, um, it's going to be another couple of weeks before I get my card. And... Boy, will I be glad when that happens. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are, of course, she, her. That was a very weird ending to the last segment, wasn't it? It was almost not an ending at all. It just kind of disappeared. That's because uh, you may have heard my alarm go off. Uh, that was my alarm for my nail appointment. I had been talking so long that I needed to stop so that I could get dressed and ready for my finger appointment. I got my nails painted. Uh, the same color blue with the one gray middle finger that I had the last time. It's because it matches the dress that I'm going to wear for Easter. And I'm very excited about being able to go to church uh, for Easter. My church has finally started doing in-person um, service. And it's going to be on Easter and I'm actually, I've got a ticket, which sounds weird. I've got a ticket for my church for the 11 p.m. service, 11 a.m. service on Easter Sunday. And 
so that was what that was. And then I got home and I was trying to finish up writing a story that I wanted to tell during this podcast. And it took longer than I expected. Everything takes longer than I expect. I have a very bad grasp of time, I guess. Uh, you know, I got back. I had to be at work at four o'clock. So I, I got home at like a little after two and I got dressed for work so that I would not be ambushed by the fact that I would have to go to work. And uh, at 3.30, the alarm, I did the writing, and then at 3.30, the alarm went off for me to get ready for church. I'm going, well, I'm church, work. And so I'm like, well, I got my, I have, I'm pretty much ready. I have my work shirt on and my shoes on. All I got to do is grab my purse and get out the door. So I'm good for time. And so I wrote a little bit more and then it was 3.40 and okay, so I should probably get ready to get going, except I needed to check Twitter or something like that. And I'd read a smart ass comment on somebody else's Twitter feed. And then another thing happened and then another thing happened. And all of a sudden there are 37 or 38 things happen. And I look up and it's like three minutes before I have to get to work and it's <laughs> 12 minute drive to work and that's my life the end uh so that's it's been a while since i started this podcast is i guess what i'm trying to say and i have yet to get to the thing that i wanted to talk about and that is my facial feminization surgery yes i know i mentioned it but i didn't really talk about why it's important it's important because it will help me see me and not the person that I was. It's important because it gives me another thing to grasp as to my authenticity, which I still fight with. I still fight with the fact that I am an authentic woman, even though I will defend and like argue to the uh, to the end of my breath that that is what I am. Um, there's that itty bitty shitty committee inside my head that tells me, no, that's not really true. And oftentimes catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror, uh, does that for me. It, it sets off a dysphoria because I see what testosterone poisoning has done to my face. And that's really I'm not the only person who uses that phrase, who's transgender. The wrong hormone actually had an adverse effect on my body because it made me look more masculine. And for a very long time, I dwelled in masculinity and I did everything that I could to make myself appear masculine. And that's going to be kind of like the theme to the story that I'm about to tell you. But no, I really want to get away from that person as much as I can. It's not vanity. It's not entirely vanity. Yes, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a little bit vain. And it's not that only women are vain, but I'm vain about myself and the way a woman would be, which is different from the way I used to be. That literally would treat my body like it was a rental. And I don't do that anymore. I want to look pretty. I want to choose the clothes that I wear. I want to present myself in a way that makes me feel good. And 
reflects who I am. And I'm limited by this, to me, a is a very masculine face. I've had f- friends genuinely tell me that they don't see a man when they look at me, but I do. It's a thing about us when we look at ourselves. We, we don't really see our authentic selves. Um, my friend Scott has um, a, uh, a mild, mildly weird part of his face that uh, I never noticed until he pointed it out to me. But he notices it every time he sees a picture of himself. Whenever anyone takes a picture, especially if he takes a picture of himself, I don't even know if he does that. I don't think I've ever seen him do an actual selfie. He's a fairly fairly selfless person, and selfless people don't do selfies. But he always is very aware of this really mild aberration of his body. And when he looks at its photograph, that's the first thing he looks is to see if that is visible. And that's not at all unusual. I think we all kind of do that. We all have the thing or things that we are aware of that we do not like about our appearance. And we do our best to try and hide those things. And whenever you look at, whenever I look at my photos of me, especially if it's one that I didn't take, I immediately look to see if I can see the thing or things. And a lot of those things are just how masculine my face looks. So I need to have this surgery, this facial feminization surgery. And that's why I started the GoFundMe. And I really hope that some of you people will send me money my way so that I can uh, finally get to be the person that I want to be and a person that I actually am and not hide anymore. And so um, I'm going to use this kind of as a jumping off point for the the story that I am going to tell you. Uh, It's a story that it's an old story because it's about my life and it's about my life way, way back in the day. And I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm just going to read it to you. It's called The Beard. Is the phrase company town used much anymore? I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Heck, it may never have been a widely used phrase apart from in and around towns that were run by a company, which I just realized describes most of my life. For the past 35 years or so, I've lived in a company town, an industry town, really, uh, that has lost its industry, which was optics. Bausch and Lomb and Xerox both moved on while Kodak just crumbled from within. And for the first 20 years of my life, and maybe a little bit longer, I lived in the ultimate company town, Corning, New York, during the ultimate company town era, the 1960s and 70s. Corning Glassworks, as the company was called at the time, had, and likely still has, this outsized presence in the city. It was this glass company that had picked up and moved from Brooklyn to Corning like a century before, bringing its entire workforce with it. Companies used to do that. Companies used to do a lot of things to and for their employees, especially Corning. They kind of had to. Corning 
is really a weird place to put a huge company. It's in this little valley, literally in the middle of nowhere. It really wasn't along any highly used transit lines, no real rivers or roads or passenger rails that connected it to any of the major points on the East Coast. So there was no reason to find yourself passing through Corning unless you planned on being there. So it was pretty isolated. It's less that way now with interstates and internets, but back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, Corning Glassworks needed to make itself attractive to the best and brightest researchers and engineers if they wanted any chance of getting them. So they did things like build swimming pools and bowling lanes in their employee center. They funded a Philharmonic Orchestra. They became one of the first places in the country to offer cable television. But they also emphasized the bucolic, open-spaced nature of this little valley where land was relatively cheap and air was relatively clean, making it a great place to raise a family. And that's how the city was marketed. And the company, by that matter. And so it attracted a lot of people because it was this good place to raise a family. So much so that having a family became part of the corporate culture. This, of course, was not exclusive to Corning. It's very much what the American culture was at the time, and even now, too. So much so back then that if you didn't have wife and kids, you would likely have a problem moving up the ladder in whatever profession you happen to be in. A perfect example of this would be Gordo Cooper, one of the Mercury 7 the first group of Americans to go up in space and arguably the most famous men in the world in the early 1960s. Gordo was an excellent pilot, but a lousy husband and father. And so he had to beg his estranged wife to pretend they were happily married to, in order to stay with the astronaut program, even though that had absolutely nothing to do with his skills as a pilot or an astronaut. So the happy family thing was big everywhere. What, what made Corning a little different was that it was so controlled. Maybe not so much by design as by default. It was a successful, wealthy, isolated little town, which meant much of the social upheaval of the 60s and 70s didn't really make much of a dent in the day-to-day -day lives of the average Corningite. Or painted poster, if you lived uh, just west of Corning or Gangmilzian if you lived on the other side of the Cahocton River, which we did. My dad was in research and development with Corning, so he built a house on the hill next to the hill where the big R&D campus sat. He was a research engineer. He'd figure out how to build the machines that made the products that Corning wanted made. And he looked the part. He wore short sleeve dress shirts because his sleeves could get caught in the machinery. He wore a pocket protector because he needed to have easy access to his pens and pencils. And he didn't want to get graphite and ink marks all over his shirt. And not only did my dad have a slide rule, but he had a slide rule holster to whip that sucker out whenever, they, whenever he needed it. They called him... The Slide Slinger. Uh, rules Slinger? Okay, they didn't call him either of those things, but they could have. Or they could have just called him a nerd, which is what he was. A big old big brain nerd in polyester, polyester slacks, safety shoes, and that pocket protector. 
which as a woman just kind of blows my mind. Men sitting at their desks and drafting tables needed some place to convenient to put their pens and pencils. So boom, they get a pocket over their nipple. Now, if I'm making my dad sound a bit like George McFly, Marty McFly's father from Back to the Future, that's pretty much an accurate representation. The original George, stylistically, not the revised future tennis-playing sci-fi novel writing George that we saw at the end of the movie. Nerd George with the slicked hair and short sleeves and weird glasses, but with more confidence and muscle, but in no way cool. Except my brother and I kind of made him cool in 1971. That was the year of the best summer of my life. Dad had been working at Corning Glass for 15 years at that point, and one of the perks he had was six weeks of vacation, which he and my mom decided they would take all at once, and we as a family would head out west and see the USA in our Chevrolet. That was an actual slogan. See the USA in your Chevrolet. And that's what we did. Which meant we had to buy a Chevrolet. Which we did. Talk about effective advertising. We bought a brand new mint green 1971 Chevrolet Impala. Four door with an AM FM stereo radio and air conditioning. AC was pretty unheard of for cars back then, but since we were going to be hitting Death Valley in July, it seemed like a wise investment, as did the trailer. It was called a Sprite trailer, and I don't think it could have been any smaller and still fit all four of us. But it did, so we packed up like the week before school let out. I was in sixth grade. Nothing important happens in the last week of sixth grade. In California, here we come. That's another dated reference. There was a lot of cool and wonderful and fun things that happened on that trip. It truly was the best summer of my life, the best time of my life up to that point, and even beyond, to be honest. And getting out of that day-to-day -day routine meant that for at least a little while, our roles had changed, and I was not always the disappointing screw-up that normally defined my life. Yeah, the traveling disrupted and the camping disrupted my normal activity of figuring out how I could get away from my family and put on my mom's clothes, but it was worth it. Although I do seem to recall sneaking a pair of my mother's panties into the shower stall at a KOA campground in Colorado when I was supposed to be showering, but I think I almost got caught, and so I stopped doing that. I also got yelled at because I spent 20 minutes in the shower and still stunk. But getting back to Dad, this was the summer we made him cool. This was the summer of the beard. By 1971, hippie and mod fashion had started to go mainstream. Paisley prints were being used for mini dresses as well as men's shirts. Jeans and slacks started getting bell bottoms. Hair was getting longer, and some of the younger men were wearing beards. None of this was happening in Corning, of course, but... We weren't in Corning. I think we were in Nebraska or maybe Iowa. Not exactly hippie central, but not Corning either. Dad hadn't shaved since we left on the trip nearly a week earlier. He and Mom were talking about this and figuring out where and when he should shave. I don't remember whether it was my brother Bruce or me who first came up with the idea, but one of us said, don't shave, grow a beard, and the other of us gave it their full-throated support. If I had to guess, I'd say it was my brother who came up with the idea since my voice was so rarely heard in that family. Mom was aghast. 
dad seemed to be considering it. My dad was a man of many skills and talents, plus his side of the family did not age at the same rate as others, and my father was also vain because of all these things. He was 47, but he looked much younger. I'm guessing he thought uh, I'm guessing the thought of looking like he was in his late 20s or 30s with a hippie beard was appealing to him. I don't know if that's truly the reason why, but he decided to grow the beard. Mom had an outsized voice in family activities, but da with Dad on our side, she knew she was outvoted. What my dad wanted, my dad got, always. So, as the summer weeks went on, we and we went from Cal Colorado to California to South Dakota, hitting as many national parks and roadside attractions as we could, Dad's beard got more and more pronounced, and by the time we got home, he had started trimming it to keep it neat. I believe we made it home late on a Friday night. We took Saturday to unpack and recover, and then on Sunday we went to church. The reaction was amazing. Everyone was talking about him and his beard. I think the pastor actually made some sort of comment about Jesus being in the bass section of the choir. Yeah, my dad was compared to Christ. I had this sort of amazement at, that someone would let the whiskers on their chin grow continued. At his work, on the street, in hindsight, it's pretty weird and really shows the isolation of the place. But he did gain a fair bit of celebrity because of it. And he ate it up. And we ate it up, too. And pretty soon, more and more beers started showing up in town. Even the pastor in our church grew one. He didn't look like Jesus, though. Unless Jesus started eating a lot of ham. Ed had that beard right up to the day he died. And as soon as I could shave, I didn't. My scruffy, wispy beard showed up on my chin sometime in 1978 and stayed on my chin until 2011, the year I rode my bicycle up Mount Washington. And I made it to the top and grew my beard right back again. My beard was different from my dad's. Mine was a queer beard. Are you familiar with the importance of the beard in gay culture? Not the actual beard, just the concept of it. It's used to describe the things gay men would do in order to hide their homosexuality, like being seen in public with a woman, for example. My beard was an actual beard. I used it to hide my femininity from others and from myself. And I remember on Monday, April 28, 2014, the morning I first began my transition, shaving my beard off this amazing feeling of joy and relief. It was the last time I would ever have a beard on my chin. I was through hiding. I had a long ways to go, of course, but this was the first incredible step towards being the person I had always known I was. And as I move on in my life as myself, as Penny... I'm still trying to be that person, and that's where your donations will help. Any amount uh, to my GoFundMe page, Penny's Feminine Face. I'll put a link up on the Facebook page about this. I really would appreciate any help you can do with that. Please stay tuned for more updates about where I am on that end updates on how Amy is doing, and updates on life in general as we look at the changes that go along in ourselves, uh, in our culture, and in the world in general on Transformation Thursday. 
This is normally where I say goodnight to Amy, and I know she's listening, so you're not going to hear her say it back, but goodnight, Amy. <laughs> <laughs>